0: up everyone welcome back to another episode of crossover commerce i'm your host ryan kramer and this is my corner of the internet where i bring the best and brightest in the amazon and e-commerce space uh if you're new to the show welcome thanks for tuning in live on facebook linkedin youtube and twitter or if you're listening to this at a different date we appreciate you tuning into your favorite podcast destination that could be amazon music spotify google podcasts you name it we're probably on there just searching for crossover commerce and marking for when new episodes come out that's going to be the best way to find all the great content we have coming out of this podcast. Or you can, of course, go to our presenting sponsor website, Ping Pong Payments. Go into usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast. Catch all of our past episodes, I should say. All 200 and gosh, we're on 16 already. Had to double check my number for a second. All past episodes plus transcripts and any other links that we, or resources that we talk about during the episode of all of our past guests are gonna be found on there. Plus, you can check out more about Ping Pong Payments, helping more people save time, money, and effort when it comes to their payments. That could be paying out your employees. It can be receiving funds from all the awesome marketplaces you're gonna be selling on in 2022. Let Ping Pong help you save money. Super easy to do. You're gonna put money back to your bottom line. I promise you, you won't regret it. Super easy to do and free to sign up today. Just make sure you mention crossover commerce said to you that being said again episode 216 that i already said i was joking pre-show uh with our guest today that it's been 200 and let's do some quick math almost 210 plus episodes that she has been on singly uh, single as a single guest i'm gonna say that is the word i'm looking for or phrase i'm looking for uh since she's been on very beginning one of the original friends of the show that i like to call people after they make it through an episode with me, has come back in very uh, in various capacities and highlighted episodes of 100th uh, and 200th episode. But I felt it was time for her to come back and talk about one of the great... I, I told I was telling her, I was looking at her greatest hits of 2021 and leading up to this year. She's got so many speaking engagements lined up this year. Her uh, She's traveling the world and she's just doing so many great things in terms of brand building and Amazon listings itself. So I thought it was gonna be appropriate we call today's episode brand building through your Amazon listings. So without further ado, welcome back to fr- uh welcome back to the show, friend of the show, Emma Shermer Tamir of Marketing by Emma. Emma, welcome back finally for your own episode.
1: Hey Ryan, yeah, I'm so glad to be back. Also, your intro got me so pumped. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. That's uh, the goal. I, I truly, and how how did 200 200- 10 plus episodes pass so quickly i mean where where has the time gone i don't know Crazy. that was
0: october i was looking beforehand and i was joking with you that was october 5th i want to say of 2020 and gosh we're already call it two years later two calendar years later um but yeah you've been busy but so have i so we had to get you back on we're not gonna we got we don't call it recycling we call it new content just uh catching up with our friends um you and I talk all the time, so this is just an easy way to publicly say that we're that we're still talking to each other, right? We're not in a feud or anything like that. Definitely At least I'm not, not. aware of. <laughs> no. Uh, no, but you've been super busy. So uh catch us up. What what's life been like since the end of 2020? Gosh, moving into today, what have you been up to?
1: I have no idea. <laughs>
0: No, no one knows. We don't even know. (laughs)
1: where. I'm terrible. Like, even if I go back, like, what did you do two weeks ago? I'm like, I I don't know. That thing could have happened yesterday or it could have happened five years ago. I I have no uh, sense sense of time. Um, No, I (laughs) we've just been hard at work. Uh, growing the team, really continuing to always be strengthening our processes and our internal systems, making sure that we are not just staying up to date, but really making sure that we are staying ahead, doing what's working now, but also what's going to continue to work and help businesses grow uh, and reach their goals on Amazon and whatever other platforms they're choosing to sell on online.
0: I love that. Well, obviously I call 2021 the year of a thousand paper cuts where everything kind of it was knowing enough where, you know, it stung for a little bit, but it was nothing that you can live through. But adding up, it was kind of a painful year for a lot of people in various different ways, right? We saw lots of changes to TOS, little tweaks here and there. I think that's Amazon's game now is like they want to throw a little bit of curveball, just keep you on your toes to make sure you keep on coming back and trying to optimize, right? Um but how big is the team now? Uh, you mentioned growing the team. How big are you guys doing? Uh, yeah, so
1: uh, we are 10. Wow, so, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's 10, still pretty small, but 10 really awesome people that are fantastic at what they each do on a daily basis.
0: Right, and uh, just, just kind of rewind for people. If they're not familiar of, like the work that you guys do, you do all sorts of listings, copywriting, any sort of marketing through written word, correct?
1: Yeah, exactly. So we are really focused on not just putting together a listing that does what it needs to do from the SEO side of things, but what can you do to really make a piece of copy that's going to be compelling, engaging, um, making people want to buy this individual product, but also want to buy from you as a brand. Uh, That's critical to being able to be successful is to make sure that you are really establishing those relationships, getting that buyer loyalty and, um, and, and making sure that you can help your business reach its full potential.
0: Right. And, th- and that's easily done through. I say easily for you, it's easily uh, done. But a lot of people have questions of what's the best way to do that. So um, when they're starting on Amazon, I'm, I'm assuming that the Forte is looking at some something and polishing up to optimize it on in the sense of Amazon and product listings. That's changed a little bit over the last year plus or so. What, what are the most major things just kind of high level? that has changed for you and the team that that kind of make it so that everyone else needs to be aware of it?
1: Yeah, great question. So I would say there are a few things that have changed, some more substantial and some smaller, but all important. So I think we all remember, well, not all of us. If you have gotten into Amazon in the last year, then you probably didn't remember this. But for anybody that's been around a little bit longer, you probably remember the panic over the not being able to capitalize Uh, you know, like a full word or words in your bullets. That was kind of like a big breaking news piece. I can't see this is when I say I'm bad at remembering when things happened. I feel like that was a year and a half ago, but maybe I'm totally off. It is something that you'll still see people doing. And that's why I mention it. And I think that's a really important note to consider whenever you are writing for Amazon, which is taking the whatever someone else is doing as justification for why you can also do that is a really dangerous game to play because Amazon isn't just every day looking at every listing that's on their that's on their site and and running it through to make sure that it's following all of the rules it's it's more of like if somebody flags it then then they'll take a closer look and then it might get you know, suspended or deactivated or whatever. And so wanting to make sure that when you're putting together a listing, that you're following all of those little tiny rules so that you're not getting penalized or losing out on really valuable sales opportunities just because you capitalize something that you shouldn't have. Like that's a really big bummer of a way to to miss miss out on sales
0: expensive learnings as we like to call them in the biz like (laughs) something where you don't want to have to learn it the hard way and cost yourself money for example um maybe you can clarify for people emojis in text yes or no is that a thing so so that's the thing that probably as a person is constantly seeing those as either bulleted points or um even any sort of emoji why is that not the case anymore why are you not allowed you can put it in but why is it bad now
1: Yeah, so those that you need to use an HTML code in order to insert those and you're not supposed to be using any HTML besides line breaks in the description. So any other part of the listing, if you're inserting code there, that is technically against the rules. But I would also take a step back and say, are emojis really in line even with what you're selling? Because so often, you know, maybe I'm looking for like a power tool. So like if I'm looking for a power tool, I want something that is going to be, you know, Really strong, that's going to be like a professional grade, but easy for a beginner to use. It's going to be able to help me look like I'm a pro and that I know what I'm doing when I embark on my next Pinterest project. By the way, I don't do any of these things, I stay very far just away. Just know from people who do. Power tools, just imagining. So if I'm looking for that, does an, an emoji really communicate those things? Does it communicate professional quality, really strong, um, you know, capable tool, or is it sort of like cheapening the pro- product? I just so- yeah,
0: I associate it with spam that you see in any sort of spam filter or any sort of like email. Any, any sort of again, I put it in the freaking title here, so I put I put an emoji here, so let, let's not get that like misuse. It's, it's supposed to shorten the idea of what it is that's the that's a genesis of an emoji but like you said the professionality of putting it in like a subject title or even a uh, a copy of listing or listing copy I, I just feel like yeah you're right it cheapens it out and it just it conveys a certain s- sense of like um spamminess i would say like that that's what i initially feel if, if that's yeah the- it's
1: well it's the fit of where you're using it so let's kind of expand beyond amazon for a moment and you mentioned that it's in the title It makes total sense that you would use an emoji in the title. This is also being shared on social media and emojis are a core component of how we communicate online. So Mm -hmm. that makes sense. But when it comes to representing your business and your product, there are certain types of businesses and products where an emoji will make a lot of sense. And there are other types where it won't. And so should you use these on Amazon? No. Could you consider using them in other places. And I mean, you can use them in your, you know, in your images, like if you edited an emoji and whatnot, but then it becomes a question of, does this make sense for how I want my brand to be perceived? And does this make sense for how I'm trying to communicate with my customers? And so that's where you need to make sure that you're really giving that extra thought and not just using it because you read somewhere that that's just a good thing to use. But always asking that question with any tactic that you're trying is, does this align with my goals and how I'm trying to uh, engage with the world?
0: Right, the voice of the brand, if you will. And I know we we dove into that way back when. But as a voice, as as branding becomes more apparent on Amazon, and a lot of people, especially on this podcast, have said, now is the time you have to build a brand. What does that sound like? What does that look like? Why is it why is it important for people to now say I have to put even in the text I have to really create this voice of what i'm trying to purvey to the end buyer why is it so important now to stand out that way like what are the benefits
1: yeah so it's very rare that you're going to come across a category on amazon that isn't already pretty saturated with products and that doesn't mean that you can't launch something and be successful but it does mean that you are going to have to do some extra legwork if you want to be competitive on more than just a race to the bottom in terms of price. So if you're coming in and you say, you know, I want to make a space for myself here, one of the really critical pieces of that is being able to be thoughtful of how can you be different and give somebody a reason why they should choose you over everybody else. And if you're not innovating on the product side, then you really have to be innovating on the brand side in order to be able to do that. So some people will naturally gravitate towards certain people and others will gravitate towards other types of people. And so the same thing happens with the brands that we use. A really strong brand is as much of, creating an opening for connection with some people as it is also pushing other people away. So it's being very specific about who your customers are and who your customers aren't. And while you're able to do that, then you're able to give people something that says like, Hey, this product is for you. I see you. Uh, and, and there aren't that many great examples on Amazon, of brands that are doing that. So I think that one of the best things that you can do when you're really trying to wrap your mind around these concepts and consider like, what does branding even mean on more than just a surface level is looking beyond Amazon. So looking at what really innovative D2C, uh, Shopify brands are doing and how they are uh, you know, launching these products with a really specific perspective. Um, like an example that I've, I've been talking about recently. Um, there are two activewear brands and they're both made of recycled plastic materials. So they're selling essentially the same products that are made of essentially the same things. So they can't just lean on the sustainability element as their differentiator, which would sort of be like a stage one type of branding exercise to say like, yeah, we're really committed to sustainability and to really making sure that, um, you know, that, that we're being mindful stewards of the earth. That's not good enough because there are plenty of other activewear companies that are doing that. And so they've each taken a very clear perspective where if you look at their websites, you'll get two very different experiences. The style of photos are different. The colors of the products that they make are different. The types of models that they use. All of these things create two very different experiences of who this brand is and will also relate to very different types of people. So these two brands that I'm talking about, one is Girlfriend Collective. And the other is, I should choose a a better substitute because I can't pronounce their name. It's V-U-O-R-I. I'm actually wearing some of their joggers right now. They are truly sensational and comfortable. Viori? Viori, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know how you're supposed to say it. I feel like they could have chosen a better, more easily to pronounce name. Call the customer
0: service line say, just have a quick question. How do you pronounce the company you work for? And that's it.
1: There we go. Yeah. Yeah, I should do that. If they even have a a phone line, you know, a lot of these companies, they might, they might, uh, so I'm actually a customer of both companies. So it's not to say that, you know, you can't kind of be a crossover and, and, you know, have multiple sides of your identity that relate to different types of brands. So that's just something else to consider as well. Um, i feel like maybe i confused you a little bit with all this no
0: stuff. i i think what i think maybe taking that initial idea i think that there's going to be more and more iterations that it's just not good enough as good anymore to say yes we're gonna be i <laughs> i saw that like I, I always love it when people naturally just curiously uh nonchalantly is the word i'm looking for uh, lift up their uh, branded yeti mugs always my favorite we still I'm get people for asking for those and I'm like, I'm sorry, that was back in 2020. Okay. So again, <laughs> no, Um I get uh, the point. I think you were making Emma is I think it's not just as good anymore to let the features really shine. I think it's just to kind of say where you continuously stand out again, if it's recycled material um, you know, that's, that's one thing that people's looking for, but there can be four or five, or like you said, these two brands, what's that next step? Like, is it money going back to a cause or is it, um we like what's that or origin story or gosh I don't even know um all these different it doesn't have to be feature centric it can be obviously story centric or again brand centric I think is more how people are differentiating themselves because all the iterations like you said it could just be color it could be feature it could be this does this differently than everything else but that's not good enough anymore. Is that what you're saying more?
1: Yeah. And I I love, you know, you bring up this idea of features and benefits and story and all these things. And I think those are terms that we hear a lot. Um, and I think they get overly simplified to a point where they, you may be missing out on the full power of them. And so with something like a benefit, there one singular feature can have 10 different potential interpretations of 10 different benefits. And like, just let that sink in for a minute. It's never so linear as each feature has one singular benefit. It really is who's reading it and what do they care about and how could they interpret that benefit to them on a deeper, more emotional level. And so having a clear sense of your brand identity and your customers will help you then filter what benefit you're going to be choosing to really present your product through. So that something like using recycled materials, it can mean, uh, you know, just that it's creating less waste. And it's, um, it's, it's making, you know, protecting the world for future generations. But not everybody is necessarily concerned with future generations. You know, if you're someone that's maybe and I, i'm i not making a, a value statement that this is good or bad but if you're you know in uh, 18 20 you might not be thinking about having children or maybe even if you're my age and you don't have children like that's just not necessarily the frame that you're reading things for through so somebody that's a parent on the other hand that might have a real uh impact on them that they fear that you know what will the state of the world be like for their children when they get to a certain age Whereas people that don't have children yet or might not want children will be looking at it in a different way and might say it's more about the now, you know? And so right. it's, it's minim- it's protecting the oceans because both of these brands are also using ocean plastic, you know, so plastic that's collected from the ocean right. and spun into fabric, but they've also kind of expanded it in different ways where girlfriend collective they're using recycled materials and they have that sustainability element, but they've actually expanded it to be also a brand that's really about inclusivity with body shapes and sizes and gender and all of those and and race. Um, and so it really kind of the sustainability part is a piece of that bigger picture that they are trying to create, where it is about um, kind of making the world now a place that everybody is welcome and we are where we treat each other well. And that that might be like, whoa, you're getting really deep, deep here with this. But those are the types of uh, questions you want to be asking and and the depth that you want to go to in order to be able to do this really, really effectively.
0: Right. Do you think it's even more simple that people try to do those general arching Statements like you said is eco-friendly. Is it because of the limited nature of which Amazon gives you to explain what the product is? Uh, you want to hit on so many different benefits of almost the wide net uh, catch approach instead of going deeper in that capacity. Is that is that where you see a lot of customers of yours, but also a lot of sellers? That's where they're kind of caught up in. I want to keep this as wide ranging as possible. Of an example, Stephen Pope used is uh, the creme brulee torch um, when he was on a while ago. Is the creme brulee torch is fantastic obviously for cooks and home cooks and whatnot that are trying to make creme brulee but other feature is hey it can be a cigar lighter now it opens up um capability for for men or for a different uh for a different audience set is that why you think there's a lot more generalized terms in listings instead of featured or focused approached i
1: think maybe part of it but then it starts to be really confusing right so if in one listing you're talking about that this is a creme brulee torch that's made for professionals that want to serve the most delicious mouth-watering beautifully crafted creme brulee and then in the next one you're saying light your cigars and smoke a stogie like you know when you're leaning back in your man cave it's kind of jarring you know like it's sort of like I would actually, maybe, pro- yeah. I would maybe actually the- propose maybe just have a new product that's the same thing and just position it in a different way.
0: Right. Or maybe um, is it is it something as simple as creating a new listing, similar product, but exactly. in an entirely different frame of reference in that regards.
1: Yeah, it's all about positioning because it's like you need you are going to need to choose one central thing to lean into. Because if you if your title's like creme brulee, uh, torch, cigar, things, something Lighter, else, something yeah. else, and somebody's looking for one of the something else's, they're not going to see that in the title. So they might, they might not even click into it. But then if they do click into it and what they really care about is creme brulee, but then you're talking about all these other things, then they might lose some trust that this is really the best creme brulee torch because the best creme brulee torch is going to be speaking to all the nuances of what a chef cares about. And maybe the other types of things that you can do in the kitchen with a creme brulee torch that would be more adjacent to those types of activities that wouldn't be so kind of like different um, from, from what the core functionality is. And like that's going to impact how you stylize the images and how you approach the A plus content. And you don't want to confuse people and you don't want to also sort of say, Oh yeah. And we do this and this. Oh, but wait, there's more. We do, you know, like that infomercial sort of, um things. this wait,
0: Amazon might bring it back. We never know. <laughs> but wait, there's more. This product can also watch your children while you go out in the town. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows?
1: Yeah. So it's it's helpful to think about what might those other uses, what, what those could be. But being thoughtful of, of does this make sense to where my primary objective is? And if there's really something there, maybe that should just also be its own listing and product, it's the same thing. You know, you're not having to make any extra effort to do almost anything, um, but just listing it with a different set of keywords and copy and creative.
0: So be, you're more of the advocate of, instead of the wide net approach, go deeper, be plant your flag, basically of this is what this thing does. This is who we serve. Here we are like this, this is what this product's for. Okay. So in that regards, I'm very curious to hear in that, in that capacity, how do how does one start? How do I how do I generate a brand voice if I'm if I'm just beginning or I'm just selling, or if I'm just going through a hey, I only have a few products, what's gonna be the most meaningful? I have a couple different ways that I created this product and that are meaningful to me. How do I find one and really stick with it and start to build on that brand?
1: That's a great question. And I think that that question is what actually keeps a lot of people from doing it at all because I think there's this idea that. You have to have all of this fully thought out before. And if not, then just don't even worry about it. And I look at brand identity as something that's similar to our own personal development, where the the more time that you're in business, the more you're able to interact with the world, the deeper you'll be able to go. But also you might find that you change because when we engage with certain people or experiences, we learn, oh, actually, this is really important to me now. And I wouldn't have thought to do that. And so I would say first step is really just to approach this from a point of curiosity and a sense that you don't have to have it all figured out before you start. You just need something to lean into. And then you'll be able to start getting feedback from your customers and by how you perform and from you know, just the experience that you gain and then to use that to continue to build on what you're doing. And so to start with, I would say going out and even just researching what brands resonate with you, you know, like look around your desk or wherever you're sitting. And like, I can see right here, I have four Apple products within an arm's reach of me right now. So clearly I'm... I love Apple products. I'm a supporter. I'm a a
0: I'm, I'm a supporter of Apple
1: products. We uh, uh, do like, it like they're no, they're in a goodwill.
0: A You're you do it like they're a nonprofit.
1: <laughs> no, I mean you know trillion like, dollar <laughs> industry. You know, come on, they they like they're. I like the choices that they make, and I'm willing right. to even sacrifice certain types of functionality because I really like them as a brand and I like the products that they create and I like the thought that they bring to things. Uh, And so looking around and seeing, okay, what brands resonate with me? So like, you know, I have my, my Apple products nearby. I'm also wearing my Vori pants that I mentioned. You know, I have my Yeti from Ping Pong, which I didn't buy, but I'm a huge fan and I love it. So I have these things that I love. That if I needed to go buy more of, or if I wanted to buy a gift for somebody, I wouldn't just go searching for a Tumblr or searching for joggers or searching for, um, headset. I would buy, I would go and I would look for what those brands are selling and buy whoever I'm gifting that.
0: Right. I think the coolest thing talking, speaking of Yeti, I read a really cool, the, how Yeti was formed actually, believe it or not, of, they just the story of which they were like, this is the problem. This is how we encountered it was there were two, I think brothers or they were family members or friends, something along the lines where they were fishing and they just had the notion of, I can never keep our ice cold enough because we kept fishing and everything would melt and obviously would ruin their fish. Nothing would last long enough. So what they decided to do instead of competing with like the name brands like Igloo and all those other uh, RTC maybe is one of them out there Um instead of leaning into those brands they said we're gonna do what we we want to pr- solve the problem and we're not going to compete with the brand we're just build our own even if that means that our products can be like three or four times more expensive people are going to understand that we solve the problem it is what it is and we're going to lean into that and say we're not going to be we're not a cheap solution but you know what if you're like us there ain't no other solution out there so you have to you have to actually pay out more again they have great products uh, across the board. They're, they're expensive or they're like, in, it's an investment worthy product. And that's where they kind of took it was, it's an investment worthy uh, choice that if I want this problem solved, I'm going to make a personal investment into it instead of uh, it's a monetary transaction. Does that make sense? They just they t- yeah. spend that mindset of, it's going to be higher in material. It's going to do it. It's fixing a problem. And that's what our brand voice is doing. We're fixing the problem that every person like us has.
1: And so you see, I didn't know that story, but as soon as you tell me that I can actually see it reflected in other parts of their brand. So even in their name Yeti, which is taking this mythological backwoods creature you know, that's kind of speaking to this outdoorsman um, activity, but it's also mythological, you know, something that didn't exist that they absolutely needed. Um, and, and also their aesthetic choices and the way that they design their products, but also in the way that they design um, their ads and their images and their logo and all of that stuff. It all, it all pay- really connects with that and tells a story and makes a clear picture of yep.
0: things. Handles kept breaking. Um, I think it was, yeah, everything keeps melting. Um, there's a there's a lot of them. It was just really cheap and you had to keep replacing it over and over. And so there was like that's where their warranty comes in. A lot of it how it how it built up the company again, it's a billion dollar, I'm assuming, industry right now that stands alone and it's fantastic. And they continuously grow on that, but they never derive from that notion of this is who we are. It's high-end products of but it's going to do exactly what we said from the beginning. We want great products. They're going to last you a long time and and do that functionality. So that's why it resonated with me. I'll have to find that article. I forget where it came out. Um, again, social listening is what I do best. And I just like go through it, read it a ton, and apply it to a future knowledge set. But yeah, it's a real. it was really cool in terms of that per- brand perspective. Um, do, do people need to start? Do you suggest that they start with imagery or do you suggest they start with the verbiage that they're using when writing their listing? Which one comes first, the chicken or the egg?
1: You. This is going to be an annoying answer for you, but sort of both. So you need to have an understanding of where you're wanting to go visually, but also make sure that you have a solid idea of what the organizational structure is that you're trying to achieve and then how to mesh those together. So like, you know, if you're thinking about your, um, your A-plus content, for example, and you are just thinking about images, you could create a really beautiful A-plus content layout, but it wouldn't necessarily make space for presenting all of the information that you're wanting to be presenting in a logical, cohesive, um, impactful way. And so having that outline of, here's the content that I want to be Uh, focusing on then thinking about how to represent that visually and then coming back in and filling in and making the the copy more solid is typically the way that uh, my team approaches things like that. So it's kind of like first, Get, get a basic outline, then think about how to represent that visually, and then figure out how to really meld the two together for something that is going to be visually impactful while also um, communicating in a way that's that's going to be persuasive and engaging for your customers.
0: Do I, if I'm a brand owner, do I make a cohesive brand voice or use similar uh, verbiage on amazon as well as my d2c site is there do you keep them separate or do you keep them almost identical is, is that a pro or con for sellers
1: uh so as far as like writing something in the exact right. same way so just copy pasting what you right. have do launched. i do
0: that or is that so, a bad
1: practice do not do that so i think this is just a an assumption that i'm making but i think if amazon launched today they wouldn't design the product pages and the way that they have done it, They're kind of old fashioned. I think that it would be way too complicated for them to change them, but the layout is really not. Um,
0: it's hard to find, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's, it's really like, you know, when you look at a website of a, like a, of a company that you love, A product page is a completely different experience versus what it looks like on Amazon. And so you're going to really confine yourself if you're just copying and pasting things over. Now, should you have continuity of voice and give customers a similar experience of your brand and how you communicate? Most certainly. But do you need these lengthier bullets? Not not that you should be doing long bullets, but even 200 character bullets are kind of long When you see how bullets are traditionally used in other spaces that aren't Amazon, that's not really going to be really customer forward. And there also might be types of call outs that you wouldn't uh, be able to make on Amazon or it wouldn't make sense to make. So, you know, if you offer guarantees or other types of deals and stuff like that, you have more. Um, you have more flexibility to say those types of things without running up against Amazon's TOS. So um, both from how the the page is structured and what people would expect when they're looking at a website, but also in being able to take more liberties with creative freedom and also with what you say uh, are things that that should be exciting when you're going about creating a product page for, you know, your own website, for example.
0: Do people take it, um, put incorrectly certain items in in the listing wherein obviously it can be duplicated later on, for example, dimensions of a product is that necessarily needed in to put in my product listing when it's going to say dimensions later on of under product listings and in specifications. Does that make sense? Like I'm yeah. I'm literally looking at one right now and it said in their listing it has dimensions of the product when that can obviously be put somewhere else in the page. Like are people not optimizing when they think about a product and they actually look at it from a customer perspective? It's being duplicated multiple different ways. Like this is a, a beanbag chair that my wife and I are looking at for our son. It says in dimensions twice, like multiple times throughout it of this is where how big it is. And they can use that for more more product features or functionality or brain voice? Is that what you're seeing a lot of?
1: I would say it depends on what the key buying criteria are of the customer. And so with those key points, reinforcement is a good idea. Being that uh, depending upon the device that you're on, you might be looking at some parts before others. So, you know, if you're on mobile, then you're looking at the A plus or the images Mm -hmm. and maybe seeing the the bullets afterwards. Whereas if you're on desktop, it's going to be reverse. Some people are more visual buyers. So they're going to go right to the product images. And so those things that are vital for understanding your product, it's really helpful to be reinforcing and, and communicating. So in the case of a beanbag chair, maybe yes, or maybe no, you know, like I could see that it, that maybe if this is like in two, in two cases. So one is someone needs a super compact beanbag chair most of them are way too big and so like they take up too much space on on the ground so then in that case if this is smaller and great for small spaces or a corner I could see that as a pro alternatively maybe you're looking for something that's an unusual shape or larger and so if any of those times where the dimensions are actually speaking to a a benefit of the product being bigger, smaller, or a different size, then the dimensions can be helpful because they're going to be reinforcing that. Now, should it be like multiple times in the bullets? No. (laughs) But to have it in the bullets, and then maybe again, in the A plus also because then in the A plus, you can visually demonstrate it. So it, you know, if you have a picture of the beanbag chair in a room, and then you have the little lines that are showing the height and the width, That's helpful for people like me that can't just look at uh, written dimensions and get a visual understanding of what that means.
0: Well, yeah, the listing itself. The first one is it's made with uh, smart max fabric, tough, stain resistant, water resistant, easily cleaned with damp cloth. Next thing is the product dimensions, but it just says the dimensions and the weight nothing mm. that you're not like yeah. great for small rooms or great for uh, lofts or your child's room or anything. like It just dimensions. Covers are double stitched, sealed with two safety locking zippers, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, the so that's, handle, yeah. So
1: the safety, safety stitching, is that what you said?
0: Yeah. It said covers are double stitched and sealed with two safety locking zippers.
1: So that's really interesting to me, right? Because that is a feature of the product. So it's this design that has these safety lock zippers that's not something that i've heard of before and i've seen tons of products out there so it's something that might be unique to this product that could actually make it a really fantastic choice for parents and what a loss to not help me understand why the safety lock is important but then to also frame it for me so that Even if I'm not 100% sure I want this beanbag chair, now I know that I need the functionality of the safety lock zippers. And so even in my other shopping, I'm going to be looking for that. And then maybe I don't find it because this is unique to this product. And so they've sold me on something that like if I've never bought a beanbag chair before, I wouldn't know I needed. Or maybe I thought that this was just common practice and that every beanbag chair came with that and it wasn't something to be concerned with. And
0: yeah. And here, I mean, here's the mess too. They talk about the the safety features of it. There's not one single child that's listed in any of these pictures. It's all adults. And then your assumption is, do Do I need to protect my wife or my significant other from the being, <laughs> beanbag chair? Now things start to get interesting. Anyways, yeah. like this is my initial look through. Um, not to not to uh, poo on all of these the this brand. I, I they have shoppable features. There's a lot of features that they're taking advantage of. I think when I start to initially just look at this and talking through it with you, something doesn't line up with me in terms of like the cohesiveness. It's, it's like 90% there. It could be a hundred percent, if that makes sense. But Hey, they got great reviews. They got a lot of good traffic. They got all the A plus functionality in there. So they're on their way. Um, I kind of want to pivot real quick, Emma. I, this is something that a lot of people have talked with about branding. Um, how I think a lot of it last year was, do I make my brand really personable and how, how much do I do that? especially when I want to possibly exit my business. And I'm really curious about that is first the f- functionality of, is that going to harm or hurt my ability to, to share or sell my brand with somebody else that you've experienced, whether it's it's too personal or it's too much of a, a, a personalized story and that doesn't resonate with somebody maybe that wants to exit their brand?
1: So I think that that can be a roadblock that you encounter, but that isn't the only thing that you want to be considering when you put yourself in that position, because you also want to be considering of do you want to be the face of your business? Because there are certain things that come along with that, that you may or may not want. Uh, You know, I'm speaking from experience. My business is called marketing by Emma and the logo is my face. And I, I, that is challenging at times to be the face of it because it makes me feel like I take, and maybe this is just my personality as well, but whatever is happening, it all feels personal to me in a way that I don't know if it would, if I wasn't, if my identity wasn't so closely tied into who we are as a Mm -hmm. company. Uh, so I think that that's something that's really important to consider. Um, I, I have seen plenty of businesses that you know did have a really central founder that are a- able to exit. And so I don't think that that's an impediment. Uh, it might change how you continue to stay involved with the company. Um, and there's lots of different ways that that can look like. Um, I would say it's more a question of What truly is your story? And what are you trying to do? You know, so when we talk about a company like Apple, Mm -hmm. Steve Jobs was a very prominent face for them, but he's also been dead for a long time. And people aren't buying Apple products because of Steve Jobs. Or really even because of their origin story, even though it's a cool one, that's not I mean, Apple for a long time was sort of this like little company that wasn't really doing that much. And then they got really innovative and just exploded with all of these amazing products in the last, I don't know, 20, 25 years. My timeline might be a little bit skewed. So you you don't have to go that route. And you can still have a very personal connection with your customers, even if it's not through your unique story. So sure. I would say it's more about what makes sense for you, what feels right, what kind of aligns with your brand and where you're trying to take it, and then making making that choice.
0: Right. What about, I guess on the flip side of that, for a company that is acquiring all these brands, they have to run with either the identity that's already been established beforehand or they have to kind of reconfigure and or build out a new one or enhance it if you will is there a struggle of which to that you're seeing with either portfolio companies or just like people who run multiple different brands to keep them either separate or just enhance them as like one goes to another and it's a different voice it's a different like uh, viewpoint is that a struggle do you think that people are encountering or companies are encountering
1: Uh, In fact, I would say, and this is from my limited view of, you know, clients of ours that have sold and and what I've seen um, businesses in the space doing and whatnot. So I would hesitate to make an overarching statement. But from my perspective, one of the easiest and quickest wins that a lot of these companies that are acquiring brands are able to get is through the branding side of things. So is really like stepping up the listing, is repackaging it and doing some of those things that either the the business owner that sold didn't um, give a lot of thought to or didn't have enough experience with or, or was too limited in their viewpoint. You know, Amazon selling as a style of doing business began from a very product centric point of I'm going to use these tools to find out what type of search volume is there um, and an unmet need and demand from customers and I'm going to launch a product there. And so that still, I think, is an underlying force in this space and how sellers are thinking when they're running their businesses, when they're when they're making their listings and and recognizing that there is so much more growth that you can achieve, it is more complicated. It takes an extra depth of thought and work to do that, but that can be unlocked when you're doing that. So a lot of times they might be great products and the companies see, okay, well, if we can also lean into this a little bit more, really put together some great product pages and things like that, we can take it to the next level.
0: Right. What's a good, maybe like in the last couple of minutes that we have here, what's a good exercise maybe for a, an entrepreneur if they're listening to this and saying, how do I exercise my voice in the capacity I can just write it down and have that easily you know, received by other people? Is it, is there like exercises that you and your team do, or um, I, I'm thinking like wordplay or any, I don't, I don't know what it looks like. I'm, I'm I envision one thing. I'm assuming I'm going to hear another.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm sure you've heard plenty of people talking about how important it is to do customer avatars where you're making a really clear and detailed profile of the person or groups of people that are uh, buying your products. And what we don't do enough is that same sort of exercise for our own brand. So it's really, you know, when we ask people, oh, how would you define your brand? And people might say, it's, we have a sense of humor, but we're also sophisticated. That seems on the one hand, like it's pretty specific and would be helpful. And you'd be able to know how to write that. But when you dig into it a little bit, you actually realize that Sophisticated and a sense of humor could be interpreted in a lot of different ways. There's there are multiple right answers to that. And so if you can build out a brand uh, identity sort of profile as a person, it will give a lot more clarity to where you're trying to aim and what specific target you're looking to aim at. So if you say sophisticated and a sense of humor, they wear a bow tie glasses um they're they're into um like small batch whiskey and um you know polo. they're 30 Definitely years polo.
0: old <laughs> subscribe to the polo channel whatever that is I don't even think that's a thing but that's how I that's how I'm projecting so, right now
1: <laughs> so you know that is where like it, you suddenly start to feel like oh yeah I know that I get what you're saying and it's, it's not, there isn't as much left up to interpretation, but it can also be helpful. You know, you say how to get started. It can be helpful to do something like that in a way to, it, it, it feels a little bit less intimidating. Because if you're talking about their interests and the, you know, the shows they watch on TV and all those types of things, like that's fun. That's interesting. That's something that, will help you ponder these things in a way that doesn't feel so serious and doesn't have such high stakes. And so that's a really good place to start. Um, But it's also a really great tool to be able to use once you've figured that out to help make sure that whoever you're working with is on the same page with you.
0: Right. I mean, I I think that's good. How how often should I just be exercising that that viewpoint, if you will?
1: Um, so I would say that the once you do that work and you have a clear sort of persona of who your brand is, then the deeper work starts of you know, the why. So why are we really doing this? What is our vision? What are we setting out to achieve? How are we impacting the world? Those are big questions that we're going to continue to have to answer over and over and over again. And so when it feels like there may be a mismatch, you know, maybe you started doing things and then you've changed the types of customers you're serving a little bit, and or you have new um, packaging because you realize that when you started out that you didn't really care that much about sustainable packaging, but you have so many customers telling you that's really important. And so you make a a significant adjustment with that. Like those types of changes may want maybe points at which you should reflect back on this and see, has my brand grown up a little bit or have they experienced, you know, a a life change that is sending them down a different path and, and how do we adjust for that?
0: Right. The pubescence of a brand basically. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. Well, (laughs) with that being (laughs)
1: said,
0: Emma, I would talk to you all day if I could. um, But in the in the sake of time, I know we've pointed people to your social handles. But I want to know what's kind of on the docket for you and the team. You said you're ten strong uh, in the company. You guys, what's on the roadmap for you and your team here in 2022?
1: Oh, a lot of stuff that I don't know. I'm ready to talk about yet. But we have some good. Some good things, cooking, um, some exciting changes on the horizon. So you're just going to have to stay tuned to find out more. But in the meantime, we're just going to be continuing to do our best to deliver uh, the, the most awesome copy possible for people's Amazon listings and websites and any other uh, marketing writing needs that they have.
0: I love it. Well, at this rate, it's going to be another two years, so. I mean, we'll have to, we'll hopefully, <laughs> you delay that in for another two years before you get back on the podcast.
1: Well, but we'll be seeing each other in person.
0: We will be seeing each other in person.
1: In about a month. That's right.
0: Well, you said, yeah, and, and I'm not going to say anything that's not public knowledge, I guess, at this juncture. But yeah, we will be seeing each other in a month at Prosper. And I've been told that you will you will show me around. Uh, the best tips I'm getting are from Emma uh because she's you're you're constantly there, it sounds like you said, uh you know you know Vegas way too well. Uh or I should say, you know in a well way, I should say. No, not yeah. too well. Um, yeah,
1: you know, it's it's a it can be an overwhelming place. So there are some little tricks and things you can do to make sure that you are able to, to go home in one piece.
0: All right. <laughs> For bu- yeah, for business or anything like that, come back <gasps> in one piece is what I've been told yeah, uh, by exactly. my family. So that means that hey, thanks so much uh, as a friend of the show and just you know friend of real life. I'm excited to touch base with you in person. But then also um, for for everyone, if they didn't catch the last episode uh, two years ago, uh, how do people get in touch with you or the team or just learn out uh, learn about more information about you guys?
1: Yeah, so our website marketingbyemma.com. Uh, there we have email, uh, phone number whatsapp contact form you name it whatever your preferred medium of communication is you will probably find it there uh, <laughs> so that's the best place to go I would also say that we do we are always happy to do a free listing analysis so if all of this felt really over your head or alternatively uh, you're just want a second opinion we're always happy to take a look at your listing and give you some feedback about our observations so that's just marketingbyemma.com free analysis or you can find it as a top banner on any page on our website
0: press the wrong button I press unmute. I press the single camera. This is what happens when I'm not <laughs> looking at what I press. Uh, sorry about that, everyone. No, I love that. We linked out to your website too on all the descriptions too. So if people are interested, they can just click on those links and go to there again. It's marketingbyemma.com. Marketing again, I was talking about this earlier. Hopefully no one's coming to you and say you need to think about redesigning your logo because you were talking about taking that personally. I would definitely take that personally if someone's – hopefully no one's done that. Oh,
1: I you. for sure told had people say you should also think of renaming your business. But interesting fact, apparently – and I didn't know this before we named our business, which is a whole separate story of how we ended up with Marketing by Emma. Um, but it, apparently, brands that have an owner's name in them actually um, are perceived f- with a higher trust value than those that don't. So a, a point for – keeping the name as is. And, you know, there are other points for why people think maybe we should change it, but for the foreseeable future marketing by Emma, it is.
0: I love it. Well, thank you so much, Emma, for hopping on again in our corner of the internet, just uh, you know, it's been too long, obviously to have you a single off episode talking like this. So I appreciate it as always. And we'll see you soon. So thanks so much for stopping by today.
1: Bye. Thank you, Ryan. This was awesome. Thanks, Emma.
0: And thank you, everyone, who was tuning into Crossover Commerce on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter, or, again, on your favorite podcast destinations. If you're listening to this uh, later on when we release it, uh, we're almost <laughs> – I say we're caught up. It's always its always hard to catch up on the audio versions because it's me uploading everything. you got to magically make it appear. I won't tell you all the behind-the-scenes stuff, but if you go to usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast, you'll be able to catch up. Almost on our to our two hundredth episode is what we have released. I think we're on one eighty-seven. The audio format, transcripts, key takeaways—you name it—it's there. Plus, you can sign up for ping pong payments as well. While you're there, you might as well. It's convenient to do. Um, that being said, thanks to everyone for tuning in. This is episode one or gosh, two sixteen of this podcast. That's it for this week. We'll catch you guys. Next week, if you want to be notified of future episodes, just follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter, or you can follow myself on our favorite social media channels. But in that case, make sure everyone have a great week, weekend, and we'll catch you guys next time on another episode of Crossover Commerce. Take care.